Welcome to the Habits of Leadership podcast, brought to you by Cut Through Coaching, helping leaders and their teams to thrive, professionally and personally. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Habits of Leadership podcast. My name's Dan Hasler and joining me on the show today is the author of one of my favourite books, Mr. James Kerr. James wrote Legacy, a book in which he shares stories about how the All Blacks go about their work and what we might learn when we apply it to our day-to-day lives. James, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Brilliant to be talking. So, it, yeah, well, it is nice to be talking, isn't it, in these times, given <laughs> the, uh, the chaos which is uh, ensuing the world at the moment. So you're, you're in London. Just Obviously, I'm English myself, but living on the other side of the world. Could you just fill me in on, on what's happening over there? Well, what's happening? Nothing's happening, I think, on, on one level. You know, we're in a, we're in a you know, it's, it's like somebody's pushed pause and everybody's waiting. waiting. So there's mm. a huge amount of insecurity, anxiety, um, confusion, um, requirement for leadership. Uh, maybe, you know, there's been, there's been some lack of leadership, I would say, uh, generally. So we're in a very uh, much a sort of state of anxious anticipation, I think, right now. And, and it's interesting because like we were just chatting before we went on air here about the way in which Australia is trying to, I guess, follow the lead based on what's happening around the world. What's something, you know, if, if you were able to give the Australians some advice, what's something you might suggest based on what you've already seen happen in the UK? Well, I think the stay-at-home policy just makes sense in so many different ways. Although it's devastating mm. for business at the moment, it's been devastating for my business and for mm. anyone who works with other people. You know, my sweet spot is teams, and teams are the last <laughs> space we yeah. want to be in at the moment. Um, so that sort of sense of, of pausing and isolating, you know, to me makes a lot of sense. And I think what comes out, actually, interestingly, is um, that that balance, which is a team balance between, between kind of freedom and responsibility. It's a Netflix phrase, actually. It's their cultural phrase, freedom and responsibility. And that tension between individual kind of rights, if you like, and, and our responsibility to the collective. And, and I think that's being tested and, and teased out here, you know, in a large way at the moment. You know, clearly we need a degree of autonomy in our, de- in our individual decision-making and, and, and there's a lot of need for that. But at the same time, you know, if, if we go to the pub or Bondi Beach or wherever and, mm. and cross and fact... You can't now, they've closed Bondi. You can't now, they've closed they've it. Closed and of course, Bondi. it's outraged. Yeah. And of course, the freedom lobby yeah. is outraged. But the responsibility Absolutely, lobby is, yeah. is, is, is saying, listen, stay at home, you know, what's a few weeks um, or a few months. Um, so I think that tension, which is one of those fundamental tensions around group dynamics, is being played on an, out on a social level. Um, and and we're and we're kind of watching the you know the you know the dickheads stepping up and saying it's all about me, and then we're seeing the real leaders who are saying, listen, let's fold personal self-interest into some sort of sense of collective responsibility here. And I think we're seeing that played out on a global scale at the moment. And it's interesting. I mean, your perspective on these things is, is particularly interesting to me, given that the reason we're chatting is, um, you know, your book Legacy. It's, um, I'd say, I mean, I, I came across it maybe 18 months ago. Um, and it, I, it's it's one book that I just recommend to coaches of footy teams I'm working with or, or corporate leaders, even principals in schools, you know, have a look at this book. It's, uh, it's you know, it's got some great... Um, stories for for one of a word and and it's got some great metaphor and it's got some great 
you know theories to hold your practice towards but there's still you know a few people who haven't heard of the book legacy so if you were your own marketing manager what would be the blurb on the back of that book that says what well, you know what's legacy about and and why would people be interested in reading it uh, well, uh, well, look, I take, I take uh, a kind of an example of excellence, the, the, the New Zealand All Blacks rugby team, uh, as uh, who were arguably or, you know, statistically probably the most successful team in world sport on a sustained level, you know, nearly 80% win ratio over 125 years. You know, they've only lost at home 39 times or 40 times in that century and a quarter. Clearly an exceptional team. And what I was interested in is understanding what's the environment, what's the cultural environment that creates that, uh, cult, you know, that, 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 that um, environment of, of, of outstanding and, and continuous success and taking the, the transferable principles from that space, from that team, and trying to find connections with leadership decision-making and leadership in, uh, across many different domains, across sport, military, business, education, government, and so on. So it's, it's sort of an example of excellence and how to lift your game through creating culture as a competitive advantage. Yeah, I love that. Creating culture as a competitive advantage, not just as a, just for the sake of having a nice place to work, right, but actually to improve performance. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, that it's, it's a culture acts as a force multiplier for everything else. You know, it, it runs through everything. Mm. The military talk about a force multiplication effect. Uh, Napoleon said, you know, the, the moral to the physical, the human to the to the sort of physical assets is as three to one. It's a, it multiplies the capability. And, and there's, there's actually a, 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 an equation that gets thrown around, which is, you know, the performance you get is, is um, equivalent to your capability multiplied by your behavior. You know, your capability is your talent, either as an individual or as a team. And that's multiplied or not by the way you behave, by the way you connect, by the way you communicate, by the, by the, by the character based decisions that you make along the way all the you know most teams most organizations it comes down to a few moments but but actually the, you know but but most of the time we're not actually out there on the paddock we're not actually out there performing we're preparing to perform and it's all of those decisions you know do we do we sleep well do we go out on the booze on a friday night do we eat well do we um treat those around us well do we uh, pick up the, the 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 rubbish in the corridor. Do we, you know, tidy up after ourselves? All of those small character decisions, in a way, will act to either bring out the best of us, or or pull us down a couple of notches. And so, so so that kind of culture that that forms the right behaviours to bring out the best in each other will lead to performance. As Bill Walsh, you know, San Francisco 49ers coach said, you know, if you take care of that sort of stuff, your character and your culture, the score will take care of itself. You'll get results. So creating that culture for competitive environment, for competitiveness um, and competitive advantage is, um, is massively important. Uh, and, you know, great leaders by, do it by default. What I've wanted to do is just kind of articulate it in a way that's strong and, and, and clear for people. So in, in the book, you know, you talk about sweeping the sheds in which the, the team leaders essentially clean up the sheds. And there was a bit of a, a commentary around, I think, the last Rugby Union World Cup in which the Japanese team, I think from memory, were, um, you know, yep. filmed cleaning their sheds. And it was like, my word, that's that's incredible. Um, but you're suggesting that it shouldn't be incredible. It should just be core business. Well, I think so. Yes. And, you know, I think I think that the higher 
the narrow to the tip of the spear for elite teams, whether that's you know international rugby teams or or I've I've done a, a quite a lot of work with special force outfits. The the need for kind of fundamental kind of humility uh, becomes incredibly important. Um, you know, if you get ahead of yourself, you get shot. You know, in one way or another. You know, if you start believing literally. your own hype, <laughs> in some cases, yeah. in some cases, literally. You know, if you start believing your own hype. If you start thinking you're better than the people around you, you start making poor decisions. And um, the Navy SEALs uh, have, a, have a kind of a character-based program they call the Whole Man Program. You know, what they realized is they'd been training people to go out there and be kind of steely-eyed killers, if you like, and they go off to war zones and they, you know, they kind of can do not do what they want, but they're on mission. And then, of course, they come back and they have all sorts of problems reintegrating. And so... So and and that's that you know reduces the operational advantage of the of, of the unit. Um, so that idea that 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 character, total character, values based character becomes hugely important. And what's really interesting is the more I've looked into this, the more the idea of humility is fundamental to those high performing environments. Um, the 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 SAS, the British SAS. Uh, their ethos, which is sort of one of the finest, I think, in the world. You know, they talk about humility and a sense of humour. The Navy SEALs, the the trident, their their badge of belonging. Um, the 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 um, the American Eagle has its head bowed in humility, um, because you know, as I say, if you get ahead of yourself, you get shot. Um, and so, finding kind of ways to to anchor, really, to, you know, organisations always have their their values up on the wall. Um, you know, um, uh, Enron. One of their values was integrity. You know, and <laughs> and look what happened yeah. there. But, Classic. But, but but I think one of the core kind of cultural leadership uh, things is how do you take those values from the from the wall and get them onto the floor? Literally, you know, the All Blacks could talk about, or any team could talk about, humility till the cows come home. But until you devote yourself to small, simple acts of service, or or, or things that bring you down, literally that ground you, um, sweeping the sheds. Um, the seals talk about just make your bed in the morning. You know, you know, do those small, simple, humble things well, and ground yourself. Then it's not being a good boy scout. It's because it's not about being a good boy scout. It's about um, a conversation you have with yourself that keeps you grounded and in a fantastic space. There's a there's a story that Dan Carter tells about uh, the then CEO of New Zealand Rugby. Uh, so Dan, I think, was International Player of the Year a couple of times in a row, I think, or, or, or and he was in his early 20s. Uh, and the CEO would come down to practice and kick his foot. And Dan didn't want to kind of answer back. He's like his boss, you know. So he just kind of looked at him. And then, and then a couple of days later, the same thing happened. He came down to practice, just kicked Dan's foot, a couple of taps on the foot. Dan didn't say anything. Few days later, you know, same thing happens, and then finally goes, "Hey, mate, what's going on here?" And he just says to him, "I just want to make sure you've still got your feet on the ground." And so that top to bottom in that organisation, that idea of don't get ahead of yourself, don't think you're special, um, you know, um, you know, that antidote to you know, it's one of the oldest flaws in human, uh, you know, hubris, you know, the Achilles heel arrogance, um, thinking you're better, thinking you're already made it. As soon as you start thinking like that, you're done. Um, so it's a competitive advantage to stay humble. 
It's not about, well, you know, and, and hum humility is different than meekness. It's actually the confidence to not be arrogant. You know, it's an inner confidence and a, and a sense of groundedness. And I, I, think, I think by kind of luck and design, the sweeping the sheds idea has been a very, very good way that they've ritualized a value. They've, turned it, they've turned, taken it from the wall and put it on the floor. But you see it in many, many different organizations. The, you know, the, in the Marines, you know, the leaders eat last. You know, and there's been a book written about it, Simon Sinek book, book written yeah, about Simon it. Sinek's book, yeah. You know, it's an it's an embodiment of pretty much the same thing. Um, the the that idea that, and you know, we all know it. As soon as we kind of get a bit carried away with ourselves, you know, we stop doing the things that made us successful in the first place. Um, so so that 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 core of and and. And that extends. Uh, I'll let you get a question in in a moment. But that, they, they, you know, that extends to just. <laughs> this you know, is making what, my what job would, very easy, James. <laughs> um, what, what I would, what I would call a kind of, um, you know, I think the great cultures are values based, vision led, and purpose driven. You know, they, 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 they know what they stand for, and they know what they don't. You know, they're very clear on their values, and human beings too. Um, vision led, you know, you kind of know where you're going. You know what you're trying to bring about. You, you've got that sort of shining light on top of the hill that you're going for, whatever that is. And you've also asked yeah. and answered the deepest and most difficult question, which is why? Why does it matter? Uh, you know, and, and so, the, so the purpose of it. So if, if, if leaders can create, in any sphere, can create, can really define and reflect on and understand their values and not just understand them, but turn them into behaviors, um, sweeping the sheds or whatever it is, um, there's clarity of vision. You know, there's, there's a real sense of what, and it's ambitious, so it stretches people and it's something worth going for, and a kind of a sense of why it matters so that it's meaningful, it's significant, and it connects the group around common cause, then you're three quarters of the way home, I think, uh, in, in that kind of um, yeah. cultural zone. And so you said there, it's not about being a Boy Scout, but it's quite clear in the book that it's absolutely about not being a dickhead. Yeah. Um, define dickhead. <laughs> uh, well, well, the answer I got to that, if you have to ask, it's probably you. Um, no offense, but they, 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 brilliant. <laughs> they, hey, this is my show, mate. This is my uh, show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it must be me then. Um, they, they, it's, it's who pulls against the tide. You know, who, 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 who's rowing with the group and who's pulling against it. You know, it, it yeah. doesn't mean you can't have ind independent individual thinking. You want that. You want mavericks. You want, but but if if that individual is spending, you know, a pretty good a pretty good indicator is the amount of time you spent having to manage them. You know, most of the time, you know, it's the eighty twenty rule. If you're spending eighty percent of your time just trying to figure out the fallout from this particular person, however talented they are, this particular individual uh, behavior, then. Chances are they're a bit of a dickhead. Could you ever make a case for um, selecting on talent over character? Uh, if I think if you think that character can be developed, yes. You know, if 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 there's potential there, but I think if you know, again, it's it's a judgment. It's a it's a it's you know, generalship is about is the the original uh, etymology of generalship is about judgment. You know, if leadership is really about judgment, and you need to make a judgment call on a case-by-case -case basis, it's very difficult to generalize. But um, 
if you think that somebody has the talent and they have the ability with a little bit of guidance and some one-to-one coaching and some peer group pressure and some sort of reframing and some standards and expectations work, then sure. But if, if they're a lost cause, then I think you need to make the judgment in the long term, is this going to be beneficial to the group? You know, you know, the, the, you know, in a team sport, I, I, the phrase we, we were talking just before the recording, but, you know, there's no point in being a, you know, a team of superstars if you're not a superstar team. And um, because the superstar team, the synergies of that will go a lot further. Uh, but, but if you've got somebody that's, that's factionalizing a team, that's pulling it apart, you know, the determinant of a, of a successful team really is cohesion is the ability to form a strong core in the heart of the team that, that makes great decisions, that understand each other, that kind of uh, automatically plays together because you know each other. Now, if you've got somebody who is dividing a team, then, then your, one of your core cultural requirements is being diminished. And however talented they are at kicking goals or whatever it is, if, if, if their individual contribution is destroying a collective uh, ability, then you know they've got to go, or they've got to not be there. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and you you see it often in in sport. There's a well-known cricketer who played for England who lost his job not well a, a five or six five years ago or so on, um, because he was seen to be. And I'm not naming names, and I'm not you know saying he is the D word, but clearly there was a dynamic in that group that was pulling that group apart. Um, he exited the team uh, and they won the Ashes. Now, they weren't a particularly, they weren't the best team in the world, but they came together and galvanized a team with the removal of that individual and they won the Ashes at home. Um, that kind of bounce, that kind of re-galvanization uh, can be very, very strong. And, and, you know, you don't have to go too far to look at how one person can destroy an environment. We've, we've all been in those environments where, you don't want to turn up to work. You start preparing your CV. Yeah, it doesn't even need to be the boss. It could just be, it could be anyone, right? Yeah, but if they've got that, yeah, it, it's at any, it's at, it's at any level. If you're pulling against the collect, the common cause, if you're making it about you and not about the team, you know, all great teams have a fundamental philosophy, which is team first. You know that that what's good for the team is good for me. Um, kind of kind of um, humility. That's an interesting one, actually. So. Yeah, one of the lines that we've been working with um, a team that we're working very closely with at the moment is team first means putting the team before you, right? So what's best for the team might not actually be best for you. Um, Absolutely. perhaps that means you're not being selected, right? But then if we follow the no dickheads policy. Yep. But if you play the long game, usually that attitude will come around in your benefit. You know, you may not get selected now. You throw a tantrum and make it difficult. Well, you can do that three weeks later. The guy who took your place takes a knock on the knee and you're back in. Um, you know, you, you can never predict. Um, there was a there was an interesting interview, Conrad Smith, um, who was playing number 13 at that point for the All Blacks. Um, Sonny Bill Williams came over from league uh, and he was asked, you know, Sonny Bill at that point was considered to be a 13 rather than a 12. Um, uh, and Conrad was asked, um, uh, was asked, you know, how do you feel about this? He's coming in for your position, right? And Conrad's line was exactly that. He said, listen, mate, whatever's good for the team is good for me. Now, Sonny Bill ended up at 12. Conrad and was stayed at 13. Um, 
they 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 uh, Manonu was sort of also a twelve and a thirteen, and they they juggled and joggled around that and and all of that. But that really that that unit formed very very strongly in the midfield for the All Blacks, and of course they won a World Cup. You know what's good for the team is good for you, and and. If you look at you know the Chicago Bulls, Phil Jackson, you know you know recruited Michael Jordan with the phrase, you know we need you to, you know you you've got two I think two MVP rings, but if you ca- if you can swap the me for the we, the me for the we, and come in, you can have as many championship rings as you want. I think Jordan left with six from the Bull, and and the phrase that they used is you know the strength of the pack is. The wolf and the strength of the wolf is the pack, or vice versa, and so that sense of the synergies between it, freedom and responsibility again, you know, is is fundamental and fundamental to understand that a short term me 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 will tend to diminish our long term collective achievement. And selfishness is very rarely rewarded in life. You know, people who give more and don't expect an immediate return tend to be successful in all relationships. You know, those of you who are out there who are married surely understand that. If you're, if it's all about you, then that relationship and therefore that family, you know, won't thrive. And that's the same with teams. That's an interesting one. It's just sort of making that, um, you know, that personal sacrifice almost to say, actually, okay, well, maybe this is best for the team. It's not best for me on an individual level right here, right now. That that concept of sacrifice, you know, we were, I often play around with that idea of people really, you know, they're, they're in, they're in love with the idea of being successful, but they hate the work it's going to take or the sacrifices yeah. they need to make in order to be successful. And I'm wondering what you've noticed um, whether it's work with teams, you know, in, on the on the sporting field or teams in a corporate sense, where actually you know people do understand the sacrifices that need to be made, and they do tend to go. You're sort of looking, perhaps, for, as an outsider, going, "Good grief! Like I can't." You really? You're sacrificing that? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think there, are, I think there's sort of a sort of psychological and practical thing. Psychological. You got to sacrifice yourself. You got to get over yourself. I think is the first thing you have to, and exactly that you need to realize that it's not all about you. It's what you can contribute, not what you can get. And so, getting so in a way, kind of sacrificing the self. And of course, that's an almost spiritual domain. It's it's the it's the stuff of of meditation and of and of overcoming the kind of the the short term nature of self into something that's a little bit more, you know, spiritually connected, I guess. Um, so, so, you know, the world's religions have been telling us this for thousands of years, um, not this belief in a, in a kind of a God up there with a big white beard, but this idea that actually self transcendence and getting beyond oneself is, a, is one of the first sacrifices. And of course, that is what we've been talking about in terms of that team first thing. I think in terms of work rate and all of that um you know the all blacks when when a when a when when a young player becomes an all black or gets selected in the squad they ask him two questions you know um what can you bring to this team and what are you prepared to sacrifice and you know the first thing is what can you bring to the team it's it's that it's that team first thing but but also what are you prepared to sacrifice what are you prepared to give up for what you can get is how I interpret it. And and that exists also, you know, on a psychological level. Are you prepared to give up being a dickhead? Are you prepared to give up ego? Are you prepared to give up 
anger, irritation, impatience, all you know, aloofness, irony, you know, all of those things that detach you and distance yourself from the common common cause. So there's all of that. But also, you know, are you prepared to work a bit harder than the others? Um, the the you know you know are you prepared to work harder than a non All Black? Um, Daley Thompson, who's a, a decathlete uh, over here, said his favorite um, his favorite day of the year. I'm I'm not sure I'm quoting him exactly, but uh, and I'll use a bit of language. But you know his 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 favorite day of the year is Christmas Day because no other <laughs> is training on that day, and that's that extra kind of sacrifice that he can make to get that kind of advantage. Um, you know, I've I've interviewed with a lot of people, a lot of people who secretly go, listen, you know, my family is supposed to come first. And in many ways they do, I'm doing it for them. But if I put them first every moment of every every day, I can't become the success that I need to be. So I need to sacrifice some of that in balance, because you need every leg on the stool, if you like, um, uh, to to do it. You know, it, it's it is you know, social life sometimes. It is alcohol or, or, or physical pleasures or, you know, we, the, the, the renunciation of those things um, are, of course, extraordinarily important. You know, there's a lovely line, you know, you can, do, you can do anything you want, but you can't do everything. So make your choice about what that thing is and all the other stuff needs to fall in behind it. And, and as, you know, a, a, another cliche, another phrase, you know, the question I love, you know, comes from the, you know, from the UK's rowing age when they rowed in Sydney. I think they won gold in Sydney, which is, you know, um, will it make the boat go faster? You know, you know, will it actually, um, will it, will it actually help improve my performance? Um, and if not, are you prepared to sacrifice that for what you really want? And and that becomes a that becomes a question for just about everything. Of course, it becomes a question in a marriage, becomes a question in any career in one form or another. Um, but if you want to be the best, you need to get rid of the worst, uh, and and that involves some sacrifice and some discipline. And that is that's a constant tension. We use that word a lot, I guess, today. T- tension, but that tension between peak performance, being the best you can get out of yourself, and for well-being. So, a yeah. couple of um, episodes ago, I was speaking with Liesl Jones, who's one uh, along yeah. with Ian Thorpe. She's Australia's most decorated Olympian. Uh, Olympian you know she won a world record holder in the breaststroke and um, hearing her talk about the things you know she went through and had to do in order to be the best it strikes me that it's hard for these people who let's be honest we sit down on a Friday Saturday Sunday night flick the telly on and we well when 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 the games aren't in lockdown um, you know we want to watch them be we want to watch them do things that we can't do. Mm. So what is it that they can't do that we are, you know what I mean? Like, is it, yeah. I'm, I'm on this eternal quest for the balance between well-being and peak performance. And the more I go looking for it, the harder it is I'm finding to actually reconcile that it's possible. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, th- I think, I think it's, it, it, it's about, it, it, there are many different combinations. I'm not sure there's one universal answer. For anyone, for for some people, um, eating you know for Usain Bolt eating chicken nuggets but for an Olympic final was fine, and you know he blitzed you know you know and for others that's the kind of sacrifice you have to make in order to do it. Um, the 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 uh, you know what what occurs to me when you talk about that is in that relationship between performance and well being, um, 
you know, it's a marathon. You know, you've got to be able to set up a balanced life in one form or another and have outlets. If, if, um, and particularly from, a, from an identity point of view, if your entire identity is wrapped up in your performance and you take a knock on the knee or you lose or suddenly your career is over. Or you or, get fired from your job or, or whatever. you get fired yeah. from your job or suddenly there's a, there's a however long this shutdown is that we're going through at the moment then what have you got yep, left? Yep. Well, you don't have much left. Now, that's not going to conspire to enable you to be properly prepared when you come back online. And so, uh, you know, there's a number of coaches who, who have just used the, the analogy of a, of, a, of, a, of a chair or a table. A table has different legs. You know, it has a sort of, has a physical leg, a performance leg, if you like, athletic performance leg. It has, a, has, a, has, a, has a, an emotional leg it, 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 and so on, however you want to, divide it up. Now, if you take one leg away, if, if you've got three other strong legs, that table won't fall down. But, but if you put, if you just got one leg and that leg gets taken away, the whole, the whole thing will collapse. So, so I think, you know, you've got to get that balance, right? Um, I think, I think you, 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 from a sacrifice point of view, get rid of the things that don't make the boat go faster. But, you know, having a family to go back to, you know, having 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 time for yourself, having good mental space, having a spiritual side, whatever whatever it is for you, um, having having enough legs on your table or legs on your your stool, um, and in the long term is a performance decision. Um, it's it's you don't need to kind of take short term cuts. You need to build that kind of solid ground uh, and able to keep on performing. And of course, that wasn't always the way. You know, in in sport, if if you know the All Blacks or any, you know, if you if your child was about to be born and it happened to be on a test day, there's no way you would be at your child's birth. You'd be having to play for your country. This was back in amateur days. Now that's a massive, massive sacrifice and an unnecessary one, and a counterproductive one, really. You know, now of course, if you know family comes first in that level, and so that sense of healthy balance. I think is fundamental. I think I think it's a short term play to go. I'm just going to cut everything out of my life except getting on my bike and riding it as fast as I can all the time, because you know you take a knock or you lose, it's all over for you, and you're not going to get back on that bike. So, you know, balance is a is a is extraordinarily important in in creating an environment of sustained success, and it's the sustained nature of it we need to build. I'm wondering, like in in the book, there was one story which um, I just I loved, and I've I've loved retelling it um, with the groups that we work with, and it's the story of um, the, the hacker and the the time when because you know often the question I often ask to, to you know to lead into this is I say you know when, when I say all blacks, what's something that you you know you immediately springs to mind, and it only takes two or three people in the room to, you know, oh, rugby union, but before Hacker comes up. And we were saying, well, would you believe that it almost came a point where the players refused to do it? And obviously people are like, why? And I just, I think it's a lovely story and I think it's a lovely metaphor for organisations in general to sometimes take a, a step back and kind of question well what are we doing and is it in tune with our people so yeah. i was wondering if we could just sort of round out our chat by sure. if you could just sort of in your words share that share that story yeah um the the all blacks have performed committee 
a haka, a particular haka for, I think, about 75 years. And there was really a cultural reboot around 2004, 2005 in the team, um, with sort of new management uh, had, had taken over. But one of the things that came up is the the team really had disconnected from the haka. It was felt that it was sort of imposed upon them. It didn't mean anything to them anymore. It was for the cameras. It was for the fans, but it wasn't for them. And there were some serious proposals to bin it all together, you know, to get rid of the world's, one of the world's most famous, if not the world's most famous sporting ritual yeah. was sort of surplus to requirements. Yeah. And there were a couple of performance uh, arguments around it and that, you know, it gets the adrenaline up and, and you know, statistically it was felt or seen that the the first 10 minutes or so after a haka, the All Blacks were particularly porous in defence, so over-emotional about it. Yeah. Um, um, so, but, but, but what they did is they, is they did something even more radical, I think, which is they decided to create a new haka and they, they co-created it from within the team. It was very much a, team, a team's initiative. I don't think they even told the, the union at the time that they were doing this. And they brought in a, a wise man, a guy called Derek Lardelli, and he worked with them and asked them some pretty big questions. You know, what does it mean to be an All Black? What does it mean to be a New Zealander? What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be mortal? You know, many questions that you wouldn't necessarily expect a sort of a big, buffy bloke, bunch of blokes to be engaging with. And, of course, they did engage over a period of time. Yeah. And they created a, a new haka called Kapopanga. And... Uh, and that that haka is the sort of is now brought out usually on the big occasions, you know, the, the World Cup finals and so on. And it really belongs to that team. And I think what it illustrates is a number of things. I think it illustrates that you need to be prepared to to burn the boats, to move forward, to not feel that the tra- you're 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 beholden to tradition, that you are actually able to create tradition. Um, it 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 it. it uh, addresses the, the 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 core thing, which is uh, Wayne Smith, a former All Blacks coach, has a great line where he says, "People rise to a challenge if it's their challenge." How do you create connection and ownership at every level of your organisation? And 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 by creating the haka or recreating or creating a new haka, that idea of galvanising around common contribution that everyone had a sense of ownership and contribution to it was tremendously powerful. You know, it was theirs. And, of course, we die for our own ideas. We die for stuff that we have invested ourselves in. And often I think what happens, and it's a great lesson for all leaders, you know, rather than here's a PowerPoint, this is what, you know, PowerPoint presentation of what leadership has decided you need to do, much, much more powerful to create a conversation where the ideas, the kind of the direction is set by leadership, but the ideas, that the how, um, is provided by uh, by the people who are actually doing it. And if we have contributed to that kind of process at whatever level of an organization uh, we exist, and we see that re- reflected back at it, if we've got our fingerprints on it, it's, it's, it's ours, we will represent that and own it and make that happen with a kind of velocity and commitment that would that never comes from a PowerPoint presentation. You know, um, and so that co-creation of a ritual was almost a Trojan horse, I think, for creating a, a distributed leadership model in which everybody had a part to play, and and made a contribution mm-hmm. to it. And if you look at the the numbers over that time, now it wasn't; it was clearly, you know, they were running at about seventy five percent. In two thousand four, it was about a seventy five percent win ratio over one hundred and five years or something at that point. 
The next decade, they ran at just under 95% over that decade. Mm. So the world's, it was the world's best sporting stat to begin mm. with. They added, depending how you do your maths, about yeah. 20% to that through this focus on what they call better people make better All Blacks, through that focus on culture and character, yeah. co-creation. And, you know, they had, the, they had the players, but they created a cohesive environment and it was tremendously powerful for them and they picked up a couple of World Cups along the way. So, so you know, it, it, you know, it, it comes back to how do you create a culture for competitive environment uh, for competitive advantage? How do you create it? Not just expect it to happen, but what are the, what's the generative force for, as a leader that, that you can have? And of course, ritual um, creates belief and belonging, uh, and contribution and connection and cohesion, which are all the factors that you really want to create, you know, a values based, vision led, purpose driven mindset so so it's a fantastic yeah, assuming we've got the good characters well yeah you know and you've got to select the right characters and you need to have those difficult conversations yeah. and you need to but you know you know one of the things about character you know often we make a lot of assumptions about people and or or, or about the way things should be so everybody brings their assumptions from the last team or from their family or from their coach or whatever and they bring that and and often, I mean, I know you do work in this area, you know, often we don't actually have a conversation that agrees the way we should be. And, and the power, mm-hmm. particularly pre-season, I do a lot of work with premiership clubs or, 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 or different sporting organisations, different business organisations at the beginning of something, the beginning of a year, or the beginning of a new leadership in the pre-season, to have those conversations and say, okay, well, what, what do we stand for here and what can we expect from each other? And if you can create those conversations about self-expectation within a group, and, you know, often it doesn't matter too much for quite a few months, but it's at the difficult parts of the season, you know, when it gets to the dark of winter and people are picking up injuries and, 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 and the scoreboard's not reflecting our, our ability and all of that kind and of we stuff. Sh- we should say that this is a metaphor. This is a metaphor for life. For life, we should say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I and and um, and I, you know, even beyond a metaphor, in a way, almost a transferable principle. I would say yeah. that that you know, when things yeah. get difficult, you know, that's when standards and an agreement make sense because you don't want to let your mates down because you've agreed and you can call people on yeah. stuff that they have signed up to. Often, what happens, we leave that too late. We just assume. You know, as leaders, we sort of assume that everyone's on the same page. And then when times get tough, we find that we're not. But, of course, no one ever signed up to your worldview, your leadership worldview. That's an expectation mm. based on an assumption. It's not, it's not an expectation based on commitment. And, and um, you, know, you, know, you know, one of the things that I do, you know, work-wise is, you know, work through values get people signed up and then and then understand their story and what they're trying to achieve together and and what that will take behaviorally and and have people sign a creed or a document that it is this is what we stand for this is what we're going to do and so when times get tough there's a script and and that can be very very powerful because it maintains cohesion it it allows those difficult conversations and it also allows peer group reinforcement to take place, it's it's one thing to have a kind of a an older manager, coach, leader, boss, CEO, whatever, talk down and say you you know you're naughty schoolchildren, you know don't behave like that, and people go yeah yeah yeah, and they smoke in the bike sheds anyway. But much much more powerful when it's your mate saying, buddy, 
come on, don't let us down. You know, that's a very different nature of conversation and, and one connects the team and the other one creates a division. So, so by create, having those conversations early and really establishing what those operate, the operating system, if you like, um, for, you know, the algorithm for that team can be very, very powerful uh, when times get tough. And when times are good, but particularly when times are tough. I think, I think the haka uh, created the context for that team uh, that enabled some of those conversations to take place and a real sense of identity and self and common cause. And that was very powerful. And I'm going to put a link to the YouTube clip of that haka that they first performed, I think, in South Africa. Because even if you're not a sports fan, it's, it's spine tingling to, it to watch that, um, that, that, perform, that, that performance of the haka. Um, as I said right at the outset, James, uh, Legacy is one of my favorite books that I've read over the past couple of years. And I'm, I know that you're working on something else. I don't know if it's tip top secret or if you can share anything. No, or I can share. Just to the people listening, if they're interested. Yeah, if, you're, if they're interested in, in your work, like what's, what's on the horizon? And, yep. And how can they keep up to date with what you're up to? Um, okay, uh, keeping up to date is uh, is our friend Google. You normally it usually comes up and and can pretty much find anything. Um, two 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 projects. The first is I'm writing about Everest uh, and Nepal and the Gurkhas with a special force unit and ordinary people in Nepal facing uh, natural disaster, facing the 2015 uh, Nepali or Gorkha. It was called earthquake. Yeah. Um, which devastated the country, and that, and and that began as a book about a team getting to the top, how to get to the top. But it's become a, a much bigger, more complex piece of work around uh, of storytelling around what happened in that seismic moment. You know what was happening before, what happened during, and how people bounce back. Um, so it's a different sort of genre of book, but I think it, I hope it will appeal to you know many of the same readers who are interested in human dynamics and the way people respond to, yeah. to difficulty. Um, the, follow, the, the, the book after that, um, I'm doing a follow-up to Legacy called the Legacy Workbook, which is, you know, if Legacy is very much the what and the why of it, uh, I'm really looking at, at the how. Uh, and I'm looking at a, 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 a bunch of different teams across um, sport, military business, um, smoke jumpers, SWAT teams, um, or, you know, different organizations that have really had to or have, have created kind of culture in one form or another, have been at different stages on that culture journey and how they've turned kind of values into action, purpose into practice, um, and and the being of a leader in, in that kind of space. Um, so, so that's that, that, that uh, the, I've now got a bit more time on my hands, so I hope to accelerate that process a little bit. Um, and right, another uh, book. And, Get three on the and, go. And, and, and we get another one on the go just for good luck, exactly. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking uh, time out of your day to, to chat with us on, on the show. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, as soon as that legacy workbook comes out or, or getting to the top, the Everest book, I'd love to have you back on the show and we'll, we'll talk about that because I'm sure that'll be a, a fascinating read as well. So thanks very much, James. That's a real pleasure. It's, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Best of luck out there. Stay safe. Stay home. Yeah, likewise. Stay safe. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. 
As I mentioned, I'll be putting a link in the show notes to the YouTube clip of the uh, hacker there. And I'll also uh, put a link into James's book and also his LinkedIn profile so you can keep up to date with his work. As always, if you found that uh, conversation worthwhile, then please share it as far and as wide as you can. Don't forget to like this podcast, share the podcast, comment on the podcast, and of course, subscribe to the podcast because doing this just makes it a little bit easier for other people to find us. If you're interested in the work that we're doing here, head over to habitsofleadership.com. And if you click on the podcast page there, you can also submit questions for us to consider for our Q&A episodes. You can also suggest uh, potential future guests. You yourself might even want to put yourself forward as a guest. But until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. Take it easy.